Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. I'm Pastor Art Georges, joined in the studio with Pastors Rich Burkle and Daniel Bennett. And in this installment of Revive the Drive, we are going to talk about the Ten Commandments and the Mosaic Law. Uh, We want to uh, consider why we would even study the Ten Commandments, given that they are such a central part of the Old Testament, and what is the significance today to the New Testament believer uh, of the Ten Commandments and even some of the other laws of Moses found in the first five books of the Old Testament. So, guys, um, why would we, as the New Testament church, under a new high priest, a new law, why would we study the Ten Commandments? Well, the Ten Commandments are very important for a foundation to understanding God's righteousness, first of all, that uh, that uh, through the Ten Commandments, God is really revealing himself and his character so that we can know him and know his holiness and, and know... Um, how we in our lives might be able to reflect or live up to the standard which God demands of us as creatures created in his image. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the things is we think about uh the the, the nature of of God and uh we, we understand that God is a God who reveals himself. And as we study the 10 commandments, we see God revealing to a people he loved, here's how you walk in obedience to me. And so as we study the 10 commandments, we learn aspects of, of who God is and his character, as Rich mentioned, his righteousness and, and what it looks like to, to live in accordance with a God, uh, live in accordance with, with God's law and to live in a holy way as he's holy. I think many people do have this question about whether or not the Ten Commandments have any real real relevance to us and to our lives today, and, and uh, we believe that the Bible teaches there's great relevance to these ten words that God has given us, that in very short statements, He is revealing to us really His grace. We often think of the law as sort of something that's against us, but really the law is for us. It's to help us to connect to God and to His glory, to see Him, to enjoy Him, and to walk in fellowship with Him. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, when he came, uh, he, he cleared up uh, a uh, misconception, that is that he had come to abolish the law. And he says, not at all. I've, I've not come to abolish the law, but rather I've come to fulfill it, to show that uh, it is completed in me and how we can have the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And uh, p- of course, the Apostle Paul in, in Romans chapter 10 also kind of piggybacks upon that idea that Jesus presented as he says, really, that this is the, the problem that my own people, the Jews, have, is they're trying to establish a righteousness through their own efforts. Mm-hmm. And so they have a zeal for God, but it's a zeal without knowledge. And then he says this in uh, Romans 10, 4, he says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, some would some interpret that to mean, well, that means there is no more place for the law. He's the end in the sense that we move on from the end. Uh, but uh, I, th- I think that really means he's he's the fulfillment. He's the completion. Right. He is the fullness. He, he's established uh, everything that we need uh, in terms of uh, 
uh, the, the uh, fulfillment of the law's demands upon uh, our lives. Right. It might be helpful for us to uh, go back to the beginning and talk about why God gave the commandments and what they were intended to accomplish for his covenant people. Yeah, and, and as we do that, as we're thinking about the the importance of the Ten Commandments and this this whole discussion that we're going to have uh, over these these sessions, I think we're we're hitting on the right thing. That it's it's true that the the law and the Ten Commandments reveal the righteousness of God and those things. But I think something unique about the study of the Ten Commandments is it's such a uh, it's such an avenue to conversations about God and His character with our our culture at large. Mm-hmm. I think everyone kind of recognizes something about the Ten Commandments, even though even if they can't say the Ten Commandments, they recognize there's something special about them. I was reading a a book by uh, Mark Rooker, the, the Ten Commandments from a New American Commentary Studies, and he writes this. He says, uh, the influence of the Ten Commandments has been clearly felt in the United States, where lawmakers recognized their indebtedness to the, to the system of laws found in the Ten Commandments. He quotes John Adams. He says, as much as I love and esteem and admire the Greeks, I believe the Hebrews have done more to enlighten and civilize the world. Moses did more than all their legislators and philosophers. And uh, Newt Gingrich uh, calls it the most striking religious imagery, that of Moses with the Ten Commandments, and even more, uh, yeah, even more liberal uh, scholars and legislators would say that there's something unique about the the Hebrews codifying these yeah. these ten rules. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting as we think of the story of how the Ten Commandments were delivered. Uh, first, uh, how it was from the finger of God writing on stones and. On a, on, a, on stone tablets. Um, this really is the first scripture. So no scripture had been written up until the time when God, you know, etched out scripture for Moses. And then Moses then would would go on to write the the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Um, but this really is the first the first Bible <laughs> that was given to the people. I remember a. Uh, one of my professors uh, at uh, Dallas also made a very helpful distinction uh, because sometimes we think that the Ten Commandments were originally given to help people find the way of salvation, uh, the way to uh, a right relationship with God. And, and he would say, no, that, that's not true. Um, the, the introduction to the, to the uh, Ten Commandments uh, speaks of God being a God who has redeemed this people out of the house of bondage out of Egypt. And so he, he made the statement that, that the Ten Commandments were not given in order to redeem a people, but they were given to a redeemed people mm, to help good. them understand how to live yeah. uh, in, in worship before yeah. the Lord. So there in Exodus chapter 19, God has redeemed Israel out of Egypt, and um, he is getting ready to establish his covenant with them. And the Ten Commandments were given in order to communicate to God's people what it meant to be his people. What were the responsibilities that they had to him as their covenant God? And he would then spell out his responsibilities to them, their blessing, their care. And so he says to them, he says, if you keep my covenant, and then you shall be my own possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Moses was commanded to call the people of Israel together and impart to them these Ten Commandments. Um, what was what was in it for Israel if they kept these ten? Yeah, and I think that introduction, again, speaks very much to us about 
the grace of the Ten Commandments. Uh, we often again think of of the Ten Commandments only as a as a means of condemnation, and and certainly they they do condemn us because we don't live up to the standards uh, that that God gave to us in the Ten Commandments. But when when God gave these, He's saying, "Remember that these are words from a God who loved you and redeemed you. Mm-hmm. That these are good, gracious words to help you find uh, the very purpose for which you're created, find that joy, that satisfaction." I think that's helpful because uh, otherwise we, we, especially I think as New Testament believers, we begin to think of them as, as almost such hard words that, uh, that are worthy of, of our resentment um, and not of our, oh, these are just such wonderful words of grace to help us. Yeah, and as, as, you, as you think of God's exhortation to be obedient to the law, it's, it's often given in the context of loving him first. So like Deuteronomy 11.1, 1, you shall therefore love the Lord your God and then what? Keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And so obedience to the law flows out of, first of all, a love for God. And you think about uh, another passage that I think illustrates this is uh, Genesis 26. In Genesis 26, 5, um, we see that God, as he's, as he's uh, talking to Isaac here, says, he says, Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now, how in the world is that possible? Mm-hmm. How can you say Abraham, living before the law, uh, was obedient to the law because the law wasn't wasn't given yet? And I, th- I think the argument of the Pentateuch, even in which we we find the law in the context of the Pentateuch, even the Pentateuch recognizes that ultimate fulfillment of the law is is through faith, not not through obedience to, to specific charges and decrees. Yeah, I like the 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 way you connected love for God to the Ten Commandments, because, of course, that's what Jesus does in, in Matthew 22, and he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, really, the, the whole of the law, the whole of the Ten Commandments can be summed up in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And so, again, these aren't rules and regulations that are cold and hard and, and have no connection to any real significant purpose. These are these are words, commandments that help us understand what does it mean to love God and and to be loved by Him, and what does it mean to love our neighbor. So, so if that's true, and going back to something Art said too, t- tell me if you guys would agree with this statement. This is a statement one of my seminary professors made. He said, um, in terms of the specific codes and regulations, and all that he says the law then was a cultural phenomenon. Would, would you agree with that statement or? What, what do you think about that in terms of in terms of uh, requirements and the, the specific rules regulations the, the law was a cultural phenomenon well if I understand him to mean that this was going to define their culture define how they related to God and how they related to one another and it would distinguish them from the nations around them then I would say yes if he's saying that it it sort of developed, as a phenomenon from their culture that I wouldn't right yeah that. more the more the former so right. this was given to a specific you, you, you used the phrase this wasn't given to redeem people I think but this was given to a redeemed people is that was that the, was that rich I can't take credit for that that was good that was rich okay bless you art because <laughs> I was gonna say I could totally not see no yeah that's <laughs> I agree yeah but so that's kind of the same idea I think that this this law was given to to help people, this redeem people, understand how to live in this in this context. So the question is, if that's the law, we would say there are aspects of the law that we would no longer see as relevant in our current cultural 
context that these the law was given to these people, redeemed people, here's how you live. What makes the Ten Commandments so enduring? Like, why would we say the Ten Commandments are are binding? Any, or would, would we even use the phrase binding? What What is it about the Ten Commandments in terms of their, are they authoritative still? That are cross-cultural, you mean, or, or in cross-time? and Yeah, and, and, and just the, the idea of authority. Do the Ten yeah. Commandments still bear authority in our lives? Yeah, you know, it, they, they bear authority in as much as each person born in this world will stand before God to give an account, to give an account of how they have responded to him, to love him, worship him, acknowledge him. And these 10 words really help us to see, well, this is very clear what standard God is going to measure me uh, against. And, you know, even the, the Apostle Paul, I like how he says about the, the 10th commandment, you know, about coveting. I wouldn't even know it was a sin that the law told me. <laughs> right. And so there's a lot of things that we'd be totally ignorant that we are going to be held accountable for on that last day. And isn't it a joy to know what we're going to be held accountable for so we can prepare for that day? Now, of course, you know what we're going to find in the New Testament and really throughout the Old is that we prepare not by striving hard in our flesh to obey these laws, mm-hmm. but by seeking God's grace and mercy so that we can have a, a new heart, and then we can obey God from that new heart. We have a lot to cover, and, and yet I want us to, um, to maybe discern why these ten. What is it about these ten commandments uh, that made them— uh, appropriate for God to communicate to his people? What is the uniqueness of these 10? Well, I think, I think the argument can be well made that as you, again, this, this book uh, from, I think Mark Rooker kind of talks about this, you can see the rest of the law as an elaboration on, on these 10 commandments. And furthermore, as you go into poetic literature, you go into prophetic literature, they're constantly harkening back to these these, these 10 overarching instructions that really boil down to two, right? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then secondly, loving your neighbor as yourself. Here's the, the big, kind of the big overarching uh, principles of what it looks like to honor God and to love him. And then here are the big overarching principles of what it looks like to, to love my neighbor. Right. Okay. And not only just honoring God, though, right? Don't these define God's moral character? Does, mm. Doesn't yeah. uh, the code of ethics that he's given us define his righteousness. Yeah. And and there it summarizes it for us in a very succinct way that our our hearts and minds can can uh, uh, understand and receive. If as you read Exodus and Leviticus and uh, the Numbers and Deuteronomy, you see many 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 other words that are part of God's law. And yet these are the only words he he himself inscribed with right. his finger Good. on stone tablets, yeah. indicating this is, a, this is special. Of all these words that I'm giving, this is something to uh, set before the people as uh, the summary, as, as the, uh, these large, huge statements that encompass everything uh, about, about me and my requirements over you. I, I can't think of anything that's, that falls outside of the Ten Commandments that God would require of us, in other words. Right. Some scholars uh, have counted the different uh, um, legal binding uh, stipulations that went along with the law of Moses. One estimate, I think, a fairly uh, common estimate is like 613 um, regulations or laws. And so we call those loosely the law of Moses. How do those, like the 
dietary restrictions relate to the 10? Well, again, I think they're kind of elaborations of what it looks like to to uh, love God and love our neighbor. And so some of those, uh, it, okay, so we think about what was, what was the purpose of the law? Again, it was, it was to help uh, one group of people apply timeless truths. And so as you look at some of those uh, more specific requirements, tattoos or boiling a, a goat in its mother's milk, you see that the the people with whom they were going to be surrounded by whom they were going to be surrounded were were people who had certain practices that if they engaged in those specific practices it would be violating one of these one of these these ten uh, one, one the, the the ten commandments or certainly uh, what it looks like to honor God so um, so I think that as we look at those those specific laws what we're seeing is these are how they were going to be able to fulfill what the overarching commandments were. So right. the boiling the kid in its, its mother's milk was a cultic practice that the Canaanites were engaged in to worship foreign deities. So yeah. don't do that, therefore you're honoring God. So all that to say then, by fulfilling or by, by following these regulations, they were going to set themselves apart from the idolatrous nations that they were going to be surrounded by. Yeah. You know, and, and constantly God through the Old Testament is saying uh, this phrase, I will be your God and you'll be my people. And that really is the gospel, isn't it? That, mm-hmm. That's that's the gospel uh, that is offered that God, the creator, will be our God, will be connected to him in that way, and we, the sinful people, will be his people. And um, and so, yeah, I think the rest of the codification in, in the uh, uh, five books of Moses uh, relate to how they can be distinct and unique and separate, and really how they can uh, uphold that first commandment, right. which is you can't have any other gods. And if you start exercising these practices of these uh, other nations that are going to be around you, you will succumb to a violation of that very first commandment. All right. So God says, I, the Lord your God, am holy. Therefore, be holy as I am holy. And he gives us it gives Israel the the moral code and the ethical code and the ceremonial code and the justice code that they can live out a life that is set apart like God is set apart. Yes. Here's how he says it in, in Deuteronomy 4. He says, I've taught you statutes and rules. He says, you who, fear, who hold fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. I've taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me. You should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? And so those individual statutes and laws pointed back to the character of Yahweh God that's revealed in the Ten Commandments. And in this cultural context, they could turn to these laws and say, man, there's something special about Yahweh God. Good, good. So sort of summarizing um, this session then, uh, the, the law, as it was imparted to Moses, both the 10 and the expanded law of Moses, uh, defined God's righteous character and also then his righteous requirements or a people who were in covenant relationship with him. Yeah, and, and Paul says in Galatians uh Chapter 3, verse 24, therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, 
It, it, one of its purposes was to really help us see that we needed a Messiah, we needed a Savior. And um, uh, so it, it showed us God to be uh, infinitely holy, it, and, and it shows us to be uh, uh, condemned and unworthy, and then we're looking for a solution. Well, how can we worship this God and be his people and he can be our God in, in view of the fact that we've disobeyed and transgressed? All right. Well, we'll draw this session to a close, but continue to come back because we have a lot to talk about as we discuss the Ten Commandments on Revive the Drive. 